Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Today's reading is taken from Psalm 119, verses 81 to 88, beginning at verse 81. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant dig pitfalls before me, contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for men persecute me without cause. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. Preserve my life according to your love, and I will obey the statutes of your mouth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Irene. Let's just have a word of prayer before we start. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for all the promises that we find in it. And we pray now that you'll point us to these promises and help us to understand them better. Because we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, John earlier was referring to a Baptist preacher describing... God's promises as his checkbook. Well, that was the great Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon. And uh, he once wrote, Bible promises are like checks drawn on heaven's bank that are endorsed by faith and presented to God for payment. Well, that's true, of course, but sometimes these checks are post-dated. One of the discoveries that we make in our Christian life is that God doesn't operate according to our time scale. We hope that God will respond immediately to our prayers, but so often there's a waiting period between the asking and the receiving. And that for us 21st century Christians can be quite a big problem. Well, today we're looking at the assurance that God's Word gives us. And our title is Promises to Hold On To. And it's the second series, of course, in our, second in our series of God's Word from Psalm 119. And it's quite clear that the psalmist is one of those people who's clinging on to a particular word or words from God that's still waiting to be fulfilled. Let's look, first of all, at what he's experiencing. He's in deep distress He's crying to God, but the problems that he's been facing are real and difficult. He's got enemies. He's talked about them earlier in the psalm. 
He's previously said that he was taunted, mocked, bound, smeared and wronged. The opposition that he was receiving had exhausted him. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, he says. In other words, please take these persecutors away. I've had enough. Mentally, he's reached the limit of his endurance. In verse 83, uh, he describes himself as becoming like a wineskin in the smoke. Well, in eastern countries, wine bottles were made of uh, skins, and when they were empty, they were hung over a smoke of a burning fire on the hearth to dry out. The trouble was that often they would become black with soot and shrivel up, and that made them useless. And that's how our psalmist felt. He was so exhausted physically and spiritually that he felt like a dried-up wineskin that had been thrown out because he's useless. He asks in verse 84, How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? Well, for those of us who have had children... It's a bit like when you're driving off on your summer holiday and a voice comes from the back. Are we there yet? <laughs> and unfortunately, the answer is no, not yet. We've, we've only been going five miles. And, and, well, four, actually. But um, Well, how long will it be then? And that's what the psalmist is feeling. How long? He knew that a moment would come in the future when there'd be a time of judgment and his persecutors would have to give account and suffer the consequences for what they'd done to him. And it would lead to a time when all wrongs would be put right. But why can't it be now? How many of us have experienced some real trial in our lives and thought that? But the psalmist didn't give up. He tells God in verse 81, I have put my hope in your word. He hadn't got the solution that he hoped for, but he rested on the promises that God's word gave him. Well, where does that leave us? Did you know if you go through the Bible, there are thousands of promises given to people. Somebody estimated that there were over 7,000. Some of them are given to all Christians just to help us in our day-to-day -day Christian lives. For example, for those of us who might be seeking guidance on some matter, the book of Proverbs got a great couple of verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Well, that promise got me through one of my Latin exams once because I, I really had no idea what was going on. Um, and I didn't lean to my own understanding, but I, I said, God, you're going to have to help me on this one. And um, God, God is actually very good at Latin, I tell you. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> Natasha, in her Bible study notes, um, gave us a quote from Paul's letter to the Romans. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's a promise given to all believing Christians to help us in our day-to-day -day life. Sometimes, though, God gives us a promise for us personally. I, I remember several years ago, I was in hospital facing a, a fairly major operation. And the night before the operation, the reading that I was reading happened, happened to be one of those passages from Isaiah. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And I thought, well, that's good enough for me. God had taken something that 
Isaiah had written a long time ago to encourage the people of his time, and he'd applied it to my particular situation. A promise to hold on to. And I know that there are others here who will testify to very similar experiences in their lives when God has given them a personal message, a personal promise. And there are many, many more promises that will help us in our day-to-day life, either for all of us Christians or, or just for an individual message for us personally. Some messages, though, are are still to be completed in the future, and we've got no alternative other than to hang on to these promises and the reassurance that they give us. We can't, unfortunately, look at all of them now, so what I'd like to do this morning is to look at one such promise that we've been given, and it's this. We have an inheritance. We all like to receive an inheritance, don't we? It's uh, somebody of their own free will has decided to give us something that will make us better off. Well, God's given us one. And Paul, no, Peter describes it in his letter like this. He said, in his, that's God's great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. The inheritance that we have is eternal life with God and all the many blessings that he's got prepared for us. Now, this is an example of a promise that's been partly fulfilled in that, as believing Christians, we're already entitled to this inheritance. It's ours. Nobody can take it away from us. But we're still waiting to receive it, which will happen in the next life. Well, what is it that entitles us to this inheritance? Well, Although you can leave your assets to anybody you like, the most likely people to receive an inheritance are one's children. And we're entitled to our heavenly inheritance because when we become Christians, when we take that step of saying Jesus is Lord, we become God's children. Remember that verse from John's Gospel that we, I always love reading this at Christmas time, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor the husband's will, but born of God. Paul, in his epistle to the Romans, describes our becoming children of God as an adoption. He says, for you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You know, in Roman times when somebody was adopted, there there were legal implications. The adopted person lost all their rights in their old family and at the same time all their old debts were cancelled. And they gained all the rights of a legitimate child in the new family. In fact, if the father died and any dispute arose about the right of an adopted child to inherit the father's estate, one or more of seven witnesses would come to come forward, they'd uh, witness the original adoption and they would swear that the adoption was genuine. Paul in verse 16 of Romans chapter 8 says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. When we stand before the throne of God, as we will all have to one day, there'll be no dispute about our position because the Holy Spirit 
will testify, that person is mine. They are my child. And the Holy Spirit's got a big role to play now in our inheritance. Paul told the Ephesians, having believed you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, sometimes when we're ordering something, we, we have to pay a deposit, guaranteeing that we'll go ahead with the transaction. We can only see a glimpse of our future inheritance with God. We can't really imagine what it'll be like in practice, but God's given us his Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. We don't need to worry about whether we'll have this inheritance. We have the guarantee. Well, why have I spent just these last few moments talking about an inheritance that God's got for us? Well, two reasons. One is because I think it's always good to be reminded of what God's got in store for us. But secondly, because I wanted to give an example of a promise that we find in God's Word. But I have to admit to being slightly devious because although I said I was going to give an example of one promise, I actually quoted from five promises that we find in the Bible to back it up. We're promised that we're going to have an inheritance. We're promised that we're children of God. We're promised we have a spirit of adoption. We're promised that the Holy Spirit will speak for us. And we're promised that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee. God's word is crammed full of promises. It's an absolute treasure trove. But how do we respond to these promises that God's given us, these wonderful promises I want to suggest three things that are important if we're going to accept these promises in our lives. And the first thing is, we must have faith in God's Word. But first of all, we need to understand the nature of that faith. One of the common misconceptions about faith is that it's a substitute for knowledge. You know, when we're uncertain about a person or a fact, then we must take it in faith. Or we could say that faith takes over where facts leave off. Well, that might be true of natural faith, but it's not true of biblical faith. Biblical faith is founded on facts. Facts based on the word of God. Whereas natural faith is a leap into the dark, biblical faith is a leap into the light. The light of God's word. Hebrews chapter 11 is a wonderful lesson on faith. The, the writer talks about the way in which many Old Testament characters responded to God's word in faith. But first of all, he defines what he means by faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. He doesn't say that faith is hoping for the best. He says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When we look at the promises God gives us, we must believe them as indisputable facts. In fact, the only uncertainty relating to God's promises is the time of the fulfillment, because we're often not told that. And we need to remember that some of the promises won't take place in this life, but will in the next. When the writer to the Hebrews was describing these Old Testament characters, he said, all these people were still living by faith when they died, they didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So no instant gratification for them, 
and not necessarily for us in this life. But of course, from what we read, the things promised for the next life are going to be so much greater and more wonderful than what we have in this life. So that's the first thing we've got to do. If we want to appropriate God's promises for ourselves, we need to have faith in God's words. We need to believe them as indisputable facts. The second thing we need to do is to obey. Now, there's a lot I could say about the importance of obedience, but I'm not going to because I think John's going to be speaking on this in a couple of weeks' time. But just to look back to that earlier promise from Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. That's three, three conditions, three things that we've got to obey. And then he will direct your path. Obedience is important if we're going to receive these promises. And uh, we, just to say that our, our psalmist today sees the importance of obedience. Verse, verse 88, he actually said, Preserve my life according to your love, and I will obey the statutes of your mouth. To him, obedience went hand in hand with receiving God's promises. So we need faith, we need obedience. There's a third thing we need if we're going to appropriate these promises for ourselves, and that is perseverance. We see that from our, our psalmist in 119 today. His soul was fainting and with longing for salvation, but he wasn't going to give up. The writer to Hebrews that I've been quoting was writing to people who were finding being a Christian really hard, and they were thinking of giving up. And he's writing to encourage them in their lives, but also to warn them of what they would be losing if they did give up. He wrote, he said, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. They needed to persevere. We've got to keep at it. We've got to keep going so that we can receive these wonderful promises. There are some people who get very excited when they become a Christian and believe that from now on they'll be able to sail through life on calm seas. Well, there are two things that testify against that. First of all, the Bible. That doesn't claim for one moment that our earthly life is going to be all calm and peaceful. And then secondly, our own experience doesn't testify to that either. Life can be very hard at times. Being a Christian can be hard. Jesus recognized this in the parable of the sower when he, he talked about the seed falling on rocky places. He spoke of a person who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. No perseverance on their part. You know, there can be nothing less appealing than waiting sometimes, as our child in the back seat of the car will be telling us. But waiting for what God has promised is worth it when we're sustained by these wonderful promises that we've been given. So, thousands of, of wonderful promises here today for us to treasure and to hold on to. Let's resolve to, to have faith in God's word, to obey what he commands, and not give up so that we can receive everything that God has promised for us. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.